And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another edition of Atlantic and Coastal, the Athletics ACC podcast. I'm Andy Bitter, the Virginia Tech football beat writer, your host of Atlantic and Coastal, joined as usual by Brendan Marks, our UNC Duke basketball writer. We've got a full show today. Uh, we crowned a champion in the ACC, barely, barely got to that point. We have a bracket for the first time in two years. My gosh, it felt good to watch those seeds come up slowly on the TV. Like, like normally you're like, just get the thing out. I'm like, I'm going to enjoy this a little bit as they drag this out a little bit. We're going to talk about all of that uh, in this uh, edition of the podcast. Brandon, you were in Greensboro last week. Uh, we crowned a champion. Georgia Tech is your winner with an asterisk, uh, getting a little buy into the final there with UVA pulling out. Florida State gets past uh, Duke without playing because Duke had to pull out of the tournament. Georgia Tech ends up winning the ACC tournament 80-75 to in the championship. Uh, what do we take away from this thing? What, what are your big takeaways from a couple days in Greensboro? Yeah, it was uh, a couple of days. Geez, it feels like a couple of years in Greensboro. I mean, uh, just all the uncertainty with everything that was going on. I mean, you first you hear this news come out about Duke, and then you hear the news that comes out about Virginia, both having their their respective COVID nineteen issues. And you know, Virginia's is far from resolved. Let's let's not forget that. You know, this is something that's still going to take a few more days till we have a resolution on. Um, but yeah, you know, it doesn't matter how you get there as long as you get there. So you know, Georgia Tech. All you had to do was beat Miami to get to the championship game. Sure thing. Who cares, right? It's 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 this year. Uh, it's the COVID year. So yeah, I, I think you know Georgia Tech. I think was a sneaky you know pick to win the ACC tournament. Even going in, I think that obviously everyone saw the way they'd been playing of late. Moses Wright, Player of the Year. Jose Alvarado. He's banged up, but um, you know that Brooklyn toughness sort of carried him through and. I actually thought it was pretty disrespectful of the committee. You know, you put the ACC champions down all the way as a nine seed. So, uh, but no, certainly I think it was it was great just to have a completed ACC tournament. Didn't matter that we lost a couple of teams along the way, but it, it was just great to see some live basketball. And, and there were a number of great games and great teams that I got to see. Hey, you're dunking on them beating Miami. That was a red-hot Miami team. It's not a team that Clemson could beat. Uh, so, you know, credit to Georgia Tech for that. I thought that championship game was interesting. I watched that whole thing. Uh, Florida State just never looked comfortable. I mean, Georgia Tech just made life miserable for them uh, trying to set up anything on offense, uh, forced 25 turnovers, 31 points off those turnovers. Uh, I think it was pretty fitting that – you know, the game is, is pretty much over. Florida State comes down, try to shoot some late three, and Alvarado just strips it out of the guy's hands and goes the other way. And then Georgia Tech is a technical for the guys coming out of the court ahead of time. It's like, whatever. Just let them celebrate. Uh, it's no big deal. Uh, yeah, I, I just thought it, it was a game that Florida State never 
quite look like itself in that one. No, and you know, I think it's sort of, you know, if you are someone who feels good about Georgia Tech or someone who's worried about Florida State and, you know, sort of looking ahead to the bracket here, that game to me reinforced a lot of the ideas that we already had about both those teams. I mean, Georgia Tech, are they this top-down, you know, buttoned-up unit where everything is going to look perfect? No, absolutely not. You know, they're going to be, you know, it's the Josh Passner experience, and I love it, and I'm here for it, but it's not going to be perfect. It's not always going to be pretty. And then on the same hand, you look at Florida State, and yes, this is a team everyone likes to talk about. It's the tallest team in the country. Leonard Hamilton's best three-point shooting team would have maybe been a Final Four contender last year. This isn't last year. This is a team that this is a very, very talented team, but there are times when Florida State just can't stop tripping over its own feet. And Georgia Tech sort of took advantage of that with their defense and their steal percentage. But at the same time, you know, I've now seen this Florida State team play twice in person. Um, One of those was the comeback win that UNC had a couple of weeks ago in the regular season where UNC came from 16 points down. And UNC almost did that again against a fully rested Florida State team in the ACC tournament. So, This is a team that has a lot of great players, but there really isn't that one superstar. And that was reflected, I think, in the All-ACC voting where MJ Walker was a second-team guy, but no one was a first-team guy. Um, Scotty Barnes is a really good player, but he's also a freshman with, you know, a jump shot that looks a lot like mine on a bad day at the YMCA. Um, So there are reasons to be optimistic about both teams, but certainly there are reasons to be pessimistic about both. Um... It was just weird. It was just a weird game. It was a weird game. It was a weird tournament. It's been a weird season. And I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen with either of these two teams over the next couple of weeks. You mentioned Josh Pastner. Uh, maybe it's just my ignorance on this subject. I've just always sort of had a blind spot with Georgia Tech and Pastner. I never had too strong of an opinion about them or knew much about uh, how Pastner coached. Maybe I just kind of knew about him in passing. Like every time I heard his name, it was like something with the NCAA looking into Georgia Tech. I'm like, why are they going out of their way to like protect this guy? What is so great about this guy? And then you kind of get a taste of it uh, at the ACC tournament where they played that his answering machine message that was like a minute long. And it's like, have a great joyous day. And let's sell this. Like I never knew all this stuff about him. And maybe that's just, you know, my ignorance on the topic, but uh, I finally kind of get it with what people see in pastor. And I guess everybody else gets to see that now a little bit too. Yeah. And, and, you know, just watching that whole post game, you know, watching the interview where he is this like, overflowing cauldron of giddiness and Jose Alvarado next to him is like breaking down in tears. Like that, that's who this team is. Like they're emotional, they're raw. Um, but no, and, and Passner gets a lot of crap. You know, the face shield is, uh, the, the, the meme that we deserve in this COVID college basketball season. I love it. It's amazing. Um, that thing He's has got been, a glorious perm underneath that too. It's just, he like does, he, with he does huge sideburns. As I was well. going to say the side, the sideburns in themselves. If, if we don't have fans in the stands wearing those sideburns, um, then the fans of Indianapolis have failed us. Uh, but no, I mean, listen, Passner's a good coach and his guys just go to bat for him. And I really think that, you know, people sort of like, like you said, Andy, people sort of writ, wrote this team off after the first two games of the year when they lost to, you know, Mercer and looked like their NCAA tournament dreams were dead before they even started. But this is a team that just won't go away. And they're sort of pesky in an annoying way, but it works. And so I like, I would not want to see Georgia Tech in the tournament. I think their first round game is a fascinating matchup. It's one of my favorite opening round games that there is. Uh, but no, I, you know, I like the Yellow Jackets. I like Josh Passner. And um, this tournament will be better. It will be more entertaining the farther the Yellow Jackets go.
Well, let's get to the tournament. Uh, this was the big news yesterday. The bracket reveal seven ACC teams are in the NCAA tournament. Uh, UVA and Florida State are four seeds. Clemson is a seven. UNC is an eight. Georgia Tech a nine, as we mentioned before. Virginia Tech a 10. And Syracuse gets in as an 11. Left out is Louisville, which will be the first replacement team uh, if any other teams have to drop out because of COVID issues. Um, this is the first time since 1979 that the ACC has not had a top three seed in the tournament. And I guess that was kind of expected based on the season that the ACC had. We all knew that there were no top teams. Uh, I suppose getting seven teams in then is still kind of impressive. I still have, I, I'm still surprised that Syracuse got in so easily. And then Louisville, a team that we kind of had in the tournament the entire time, not in the first one out. Uh, any thoughts on the surprises in that or the snubs? Yeah, you know, as far as Louisville is concerned, we've we've sort of been taking for granted that they were going to be in the tournament for a long time, and I don't I don't know if that's uh, an omission on our part or not, but I've I've gotten the chance to see this Cardinals team play up close in person twice, and one of those games that I got to see was the UNC blowout where uh, forty five points just completely eviscerated the cards coming off their second COVID pause. I mean, Louisville never had a chance. They, they couldn't throw uh, the ball, you know, they, they couldn't hit water from a boat. Second game was in the ACC tournament this past week when a Duke team, a, a not great Duke team, just absolutely dominated Louisville. And for as good as Carleek Jones is, and I think you and I have both, you know, we have our different experiences with Carleek. You obviously know him more personally than I do, but he is really the only reliable thing that they had going for him. David Johnson did not have the season a lot of people expected when Malik Williams, you know, re-injured his foot a couple of weeks ago and went back out for the rest of the year. They lost their only true interior presence. Mark Williams of Duke. He's a seven foot freshman. He's a very good player, but Mark Williams against Louisville broke Ralph Sampson's. Yes. Ralph Sampson's ACC tournament, single game rebounding record against the Cardinals. That tells you a lot about the state of Louisville's interior play. And, And so not once watching either of those two games did I really believe that this was a tournament team I was watching. Um, and I really just, you know, I honestly feel for Louisville because I feel like this is a team where the two separate COVID pauses really did make the difference. They really were the determining factor in this team not getting in. And you have to wonder, if Duke has a COVID issue one day earlier and that game in the ACC tournament doesn't get played, is Louisville in the field? Probably. Probably. They, they were probably one day away from getting in. Um, they still might get in. Who knows? We, we have never had a situation like this with the first four out. But I was never sold on the Cardinals since watching them these, these last two times in the last three or so weeks. Um, it sucks for Carlyke Jones, but we'll see if they get in. There's still a chance. There's still hope. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. 
Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, I wouldn't rule anything out this year. I mean, all it takes is one case and then you have a team quarantined and boom, you're right. in there. Right. Uh, you know, they're not very far from Indianapolis anyway. It'd be a nice, nice <laughs> short trip for them. Were you surprised that Syracuse not only got in but that they're not even in the play-in round. I mean, they were uncomfortably uh, in the final uh, count, the, the final result here. Uh, I, I think Syracuse probably deserved to get in the way they were playing at the end of the season, but I'm kind of surprised they're not in that first four. I am too. I, I was shocked that they weren't in the first four, actually. And I, it's funny enough, I was uh, texting with our Syracuse writer, Matthew Gutierrez, friend of the podcast, and he was like, wow. He, that's what he sent me the first thing as soon as Brack came out. Wow, all capital letters. Because even he couldn't believe it. I mean, yeah, I, I think you're totally right, Andy. This is a team that we thought was going to be in. Um, they had been playing well of late. You know, they made it a great game against Virginia. Uh, there was a chance that they were going to win that game, and that you know obviously would have put them in. But no, it's it's uh, it's peculiar that they don't end up in the first four. But overall, listen, Buddy Beheim has been as hot as any player in the ACC lately. You know, he's dropping 25-ish points a game knocking down four or five threes a game. Uh, and Syracuse, you know, they they this is what they do every year, right? They hang around on the bubble, then they get in, and then they run on to the Final Four. So uh, pencil the orange in. But no, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how far this team can go. Um, they're certainly playing their best basketball of the year right now, and, and, you know, that matters as much as anything else. Well, let's go through the individual matchups here for the ACC teams. We'll start in the West, uh, where UVA is a four seed getting Ohio. Uh, 13 seed. Um, I'll give the lines on these from BetMGM. I looked at these last night, so these might have changed a little bit since then. I haven't updated them. UVA, an eight and a half point favorite in that game. Uh, this is assuming UVA gets to the tournament. Uh, you know, I think reporters talked to Tony Bennett last night, and he's like, our players are still in quarantine until Thursday. They're going to practice for the first time and, and tra- travel and practice on Friday and then play on Saturday. Uh, that is not ideal for a team going into the tournament. Uh, that you haven't played in a in a week and you haven't practiced in a week and you know these guys haven't been out on the court at all. Uh, you know if Virginia even gets to this game, what what can we expect out of the Cavaliers here? Yeah, I mean it, it, everything that you just laid out, Andy, is the reason why you should be apprehensive about picking this team. And and listen, let's let's give Virginia their due. This was the number one team in the ACC tournament. You know, this was the number one seed. They won the regular season. This is a very good basketball team, but um, I don't think it is in any way a coincidence that they're playing on Saturday. I think the selection committee went ahead and did Tony Bennett a favor um, by letting the Cavaliers have a Saturday matchup rather than a Friday one, which would have made uh, any sort of restrictions or guys that they're missing. It would have made that even more magnified had they had less time. We still don't know if they're going to make it. Um, all of these reasons in and of themselves would make you hesitant to pick the Cavaliers. But I would also like to add in there that 
this is a pretty good Ohio team that absolutely blitzed through the MAC conference. Just going through and looking, the last three games that Ohio has played in the MAC conference, um, none of those games were even a five point game. They were never in doubt. These were not buzzer beaters. This was Ohio firmly winning. And we talk about guard play in March. That's what matters most. And Ohio's got a really good one in Jason Preston. Um, he's one of the guys where if the Cavaliers do end up losing, you're going to be hearing about that name for a while. So I think that it really depends on who Virginia has available. I think eight and a half points is incredibly ambitious. Um, that's a really, really aggressive line. I would certainly try and take that if I was an Ohio fan or if I was looking to make some money on the other side. Um, but yeah, it depends who's available for the Cavaliers. Depends if the Cavaliers are available at all. But I certainly, right now I've got Ohio penciled in and it has as much to do with the uh, unknowns surrounding Virginia as it does with a good Ohio team. But no, I, I just can't trust all those uncertainties. We've seen COVID wreck havoc far too many times this year. One day of practice before an NCAA tournament is just not enough. Yeah, Ohio, five guys in double figures, averaging 80.9 points per game. The last seven games, they've been over 80 plus. So this could be uh, an interesting sort of contrast of styles. I know UVA likes to grind it to a halt there. Uh, probably will so even more so if they haven't practiced in a week and, and maybe uh, not kind of the, the stamina that they have for their entire team. Uh, yeah, that's one that I, I would keep an eye on because I, I just don't know what to expect out of UVA in that game. Uh, going to the South region, North Carolina gets an eight seed. Uh, they draw number nine seed, Wisconsin. UNC is a two-point favorite in that game. Uh, you saw the Tar Heels in Greensboro, and they looked pretty good. They looked like they were coming together. They absolutely just crushed the Irish on, on the boards. I mean, that was a game that was just, it was laughable. They could come down the court, and they could just throw the ball. It's like, take the worst shot possible because you're going to get the offensive rebound and get a putback. Uh, you know, end up losing to North Carolina or Florida State in a really good game, which is like you look at that and you go, man, talk about athletes on the floor for both sides. Uh, is this North Carolina team peaking at the right time here? I think so. Um, and if not for, you know, the, the number one seed looming in that bracket, I think that North Carolina would have been a pretty trendy Sweet 16 pick. I mean, uh, you mentioned that Notre Dame game. At one point in the second half of that game, Andy, UNC had above 80% offensive rebounding percentage. So they were getting more than 80% of their misses in the second half, in the second half of an AC tournament basketball game. Let's just let that marinate. Just let that ruminate for a second. Um, and Notre Dame's a good team. Notre Dame just beat Florida State right beforehand. So uh, I thought that was fascinating. But no, this is certainly a team that's peaking at the right time. And, and the main reason why is because we've been talking about this UNC front court all year, and it's finally showing up night in, night out. I mean, the Tar Heels have four legitimate bigs, and, and I, you know, they claim that they have the best front court in the country, and I don't really have room to argue. I mean, they're really rotating in four guys that would be starting for any high major in the country. Um, you know, Garrison Brooks has been a little, he's got an ankle injury right now that cost him participation in that Notre Dame game. How available he is, I think, is actually going to be a huge factor in, in what ends up happening with this first-round matchup against Wisconsin. Because I look at the Badgers, I look at Nate Roivers, um, that is a tough matchup for the rest of UNC's bigs. He is really mobile, and Garrison Brooks is certainly UNC's most versatile 
uh, interior defender. So if Garrison Brooks plays, if he's able to play at, you know, I would say 80% of himself, um, I think there's a chance that UNC can win this game and give Baylor some trouble in the second round. But um, I also wouldn't be shocked to see it go the other way. I mean, UNC's guards are hit or miss. You know, Caleb Love is either going to have 25 points and make five threes, or he's going to have 18 points on 15 shots and have five turnovers. So it's one or the other right now with these Tar Heels, and, and that what makes them such a tough pick in this in this tournament. Yeah, if they don't have Garrison Brooks, they'll have to turn to one of the other seven <laughs> seven footers on the roster that they have there. I saw this stat that amazed me. Roy Williams is twenty nine and zero in first round NCAA tournament games. Now, no. most of the time he's a one or a two seed, so that maybe that's not as impressive as it sounds. But this could be a game that you know the eight nine matchup UNC not normally in that. This could be one that challenges that Wisconsin sixth place team in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, they don't turn the ball over a lot. They play pretty good defense. Uh, offensively, nothing special. I'm a Wisconsin graduate, so I pay attention to the Badgers a little bit. I'll be honest, I just don't think they have it this year. Really? Like, I okay. watched them in some games. I don't know if that's just... And the Big Ten is really, really good this year. I mean, you see from the seedings that they got, uh, you know, two number one seeds. Ohio State's uh, really good. Iowa's a two seed as well. I don't know. I just watched the Badgers in a lot of games this year, and they just did not seem like they had it. They didn't seem like some of the teams. I thought last year's team had it, and you saw them down the stretch when they won the Big Ten and looked pretty impressive. I'm like, oh, that's the one that could make some noise in, in March, and then obviously we didn't have the tournament. Uh, this year I'm a little more bearish on the Badgers in this one. I, I just I feel like UNC size, and I, I know UNC's guards are hit or miss uh, from game to game like that, but I think it's just going to be a, a lot of trouble for, for the Badgers in this one. I can certainly see that being the case, you know, like I, like you said, it's hard to have any team match up with UNC size. And like, there are really good bigs in the big 10, you know, Wisconsin's had to deal with Luca Garza. They have to deal with uh Kofi Coburn. Um, but the, the fact that UNC can basically just rotate these guys in, in a hockey line, uh, it, it makes it really difficult for other teams to sort of compete with it. It makes it really hard for other teams to match up with. Just, you don't have that many fresh legs that can consistently be dominating the offensive glass that late into games like UNC can. So, um, no, and, and, you know, just talking amongst UNC fans and some of my former colleagues from school, uh, UNC fans don't think that they're completely out of a game with Baylor. You know, the Bears haven't been defending at the same rate that they have been uh, since they came back from their COVID-19 pause. They are obviously still a great team, very deserving of a number one seed. But I'll be really interested to see um, the matchup in that game because Baylor has these great guards, you know, and they, you know, Jared Butler's as good a player as there is in the country. But at the same time, I, I do think that there are some matchups on the inside that UNC can, can exploit and, um, you know, foul trouble, march, anything can happen. So UNC fans, I think, are, are cautiously optimistic about their team's chances of making a mess of that whole region. All right. Sticking in the South, Virginia Tech is a 10 seed, uh, gets seven seeded Florida. Uh, Virginia Tech is a one point underdog in this game. I think it's opened as a pick em. Uh 10 seed, I think, for Hokies fans, maybe a little bit lower than what they were expecting. Uh, I said this last night. I said, this isn't the worst thing to be a 10 seed. I mean, it drops you out of that 8-9 matchup. You're still basically in a coin flip game. I mean, you see what the line is in this 10-7 matchup. And then if you win, you don't have to play the one seed in the second round. And I'm not saying that Ohio State is some, you know, <laughs> better option in the second round if you're to get that far. But uh, I feel like this isn't the worst spot for the Hokies to be in. 
Not at all. I, I agree with you. I think this is a little bit disrespectful, though. You know, I thought I thought that this team was better than a 10 seed. Um, and I think that Virginia Tech fans absolutely can gripe that they deserved a little bit better. But this is a not just a winnable game. I mean, this is a game that I would pretty comfortably pick Virginia Tech in. Um, that's just not ACC bias. I mean, this team came back from its COVID pause. They hadn't played a game in what? 11 or 12 days when they played North Carolina last week yeah, in the ACC weeks. tournament. Right. Two weeks, yeah. And they looked great. There was no rust. There was no pause. At the end, they got worn down by UNC's bigs. But who who hasn't had that happen this year? Um, I think that, you know, if this team had Jalen Cohn, who, you know, was in a walking boot at the ACC tournament, doesn't look like he is going to be able to participate in the NCAA tournament. Um, I think they would be a lot more dangerous team with him. But no, this is a team that defends like heck. This is a team that is, oh my God, the aggressiveness they play defense with is insane. And Mike Young is a really, really creative offensive coach. So um, I think that, you know, when you look at some of the guys they still have, Tyrese Radford was playing great in the ACC tournament. Um, Justin Mutz was playing great in the ACC tournament. Uh, Wabisabide, he's an incredible defender. I don't know how he wasn't named to the all-ACC defensive team. And then obviously Aluma is a second-team all-ACC guy. There's a lot to like about this team. And, I, you know, the 10 seed is right there, like you mentioned. It's not playing against the one in the next round. Ohio State, I think, is not the worst matchup in the world if, if Virginia Tech is able to get past Florida. Um, I picked this team in my first bracket to make it to the Sweet 16. And I think that there is potential here just because of the size, the way they play, the competitiveness, the intensity. Um, I'm not really worried about the COVID factor because I just saw them go head-to-head with North Carolina. But I, I, I've liked this team all year, and that's not changing right now. Yeah, I, I think if they're going to win in this one, they need a little bit more out of Aluma for sure. in this game. He struggled a little bit in that UNC game. Four for 13 from the field, nine points. Uh, not his best. Florida looks like a beatable team. I mean, I, I looked, you know, they haven't had Keontae Johnson all year. He had that scary incident where he collapsed uh, in December. Sounds like he's okay and everything's fine with that. But you're talking about the preseason player of the year in the SEC uh, to not have that. So I guess impressive by Florida to still get a seven seed out of this. I was looking at Florida's schedule. They haven't beaten a team that's made the tournament since January. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that, that's, you know, it's been a long time. Then I looked at Virginia Tech also has not beat the team. <laughs> that was when they beat UVA in that one. So both of these teams have not beaten a tournament team in a while. Uh, Florida's, Florida's a pretty good offensive team, uh, led the SEC in free throw percentage, three-point percentage, and field goal percentage in the regular season. Uh, but, you know, the Hokies are a, a tenacious team on defense, like you mentioned. And uh, I, I like Mike Young as a coach, as a tournament coach. I mean, a couple of years ago when he was at Wofford, he took a very good Kentucky team, I think it was, all the way down to the wire in that game. I, I, I think I'd be leading the Hokies on this one and probably – a motivated team feeling a little bit disrespected about that seed. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and and you know this isn't tournament related, but just as an aside, because uh, you mentioned Mike Young at being down at Wofford still, he's got another transfer coming in from there. Storm Murphy. Storm Murphy. What a name. That's, he's that's like a headline writer's delight right there. And, and you know what else is a headline writer's delight? The fact that he's going to be really freaking good for them too. The fact that he plays exact. He knows Mike Young's style to a T. He's the perfect sort of player to fit into that system. Um, you know, whatever happens with Virginia Tech this year, the future is still very bright in Blacksburg. So, uh, Mike Young. Mike Young has been a great fit for that program. I'm excited to see what they do this week. All right, let's go over to the East. Florida State, a four-seed, 11.5-point favorite against number 13, UNC Greensboro. Uh, 
I don't know much about UNC Greensboro, but uh, Wes Miller, the coach there, former uh, UNC guard who won a national championship there, uh, UNC Greensboro, winners of the Southern Conference. They've been a pretty good team uh, in recent years, a good defensive team. I'm curious about this matchup because with Florida State, it's just you never know what you're going to get from game to game, it feels like. You don't know what you're going to get. And, you know, I've seen some people in their brackets earlier have have been picking Florida State as like a Final Four team. And I just just don't see it. Like – I that know takes some guts. I, I couldn't do it. I don't have the, the nerve to do that with this team this year. Like like last year, yes, 100%. I was on board. But like they haven't been dominant lately. They haven't. I get that they're super long. I get that you basically can't run set offense against them. I get that uh, you know UNC's players said that after they lost to Florida State this week in the AC tournament. They said, yeah, we basically didn't run any sets. We had to go freelance the whole time because – Florida State's defense is so big and so long, and they disrupt you from getting into any sort of, uh, you know, pre-planned plays that you would have had. But at the same time, you know, this is a team that just doesn't seem to have that killer instinct. They just don't seem to have the ability to step on another team's throat. You know, twice against UNC, they've had a chance to put their foot down. Like you said, they never really got into sync against Georgia Tech. Um, I just don't think that this team is playing its best basketball right now, and certainly they'll be favored. What's what's the line on this? What, how many points are they giving up? 11 and a half. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's going to be a closer game than that. I really do. I just don't think that this team is executing as well as it could, and um, you know, you, you look at the fact that they're going to be going up there. UNCG has a lot to prove. They're a very motivated team. Wes Miller, like you said, he's a great coach. Isaiah Miller is a really good player for them. Um I think that Florida State probably wins, but I do think it's going to be a lot closer than we think. And no, I I just, having seen this team the last couple of weeks and the way that their trajectory looks like, I just can't in good faith pick them to make the Final Four. When you start to doubt Florida State, they will win by 30. Right. <laughs> and when you start to put faith in Florida State, they will lose to a team they have no business losing or just look really bad. Leonard Hamilton's never been to a Final Four. That maybe should have an asterisk on it too because man like he had an awesome team last year and they were robbed of the opportunity uh to compete for that i think they had a very good shot last year uh, especially with how what kind of seed they were going to get in the bracket uh i'm I'm looking at this region that they're in potential one four matchup against michigan down the line i mean if they if florida state wins this they would get the winner of colorado georgetown I know Georgetown was hot in that Big East final. And, and yeah, I just, neither of those teams would scare me too much in the next round. So if Florida State gets through this, I think they probably get to that Sweet 16 matchup against Michigan. And if you're going to play a one seed, probably Michigan is the one you want right now. Isaiah Livers is out indefinitely. We don't know exactly what his deal is. Uh, the Wolverines have lost three of five. Uh, I, th- I think that could be a, a potentially decent route here for Florida State to, to make a deep run. If again you have the nerve to back this team, yeah, it's I, Michigan is definitely the number one seed that you would want to see, and I think that the way that Florida State plays, um, I think actually is really conducive in a matchup against Michigan. You you talk about the Wolverines having Isaiah Livers, his status is unknown, but uh, Florida State has the length and the bodies to to match up well with Hunter Dickinson. I think you know they can make Balsa Koprakova can make life. Very difficult for him. Um, so I think that, you know, if Florida State is able to sort of take care of its business these first two games and get to that point, I don't think it's impossible. But then at the same time, you know, uh, Michigan's the number one seed for a reason. And, and losing three out of five to teams like Michigan State and uh, some of these other incredible Big Ten tournament teams, 
that's not really a knock. I mean, these are, these are good teams too. So, um, I just, I don't want to sound like too much of a Debbie Downer here, Andy, but I, I am, I am not hot on Florida state right now. And I know that's sacrilegious because Leonard Hamilton's a great coach. Um, and it was great getting to see them celebrate after beating UNC, you know, players and their parents are chanting new blood all through down the Coliseum. Uh, but no, I just, I, I'm not on board with Florida state right now. I'm, I'm, I, they're too inconsistent for me to feel comfortable picking them to go that far. Plus, with Michigan, you never know when Jawan Howard might pick a fight with Jawan, you on the sidelines. He, he's ready to go. He was ready to strap it up there. If Jawan Howard suited up, it'd be a much more interesting game. <laughs> that would be very interesting indeed. Let's go over to the Midwest. This is our last reach. It's got three ACC teams in it. Clemson is a seven seed, is a uh, one-point favorite against 10th seeded Rutgers. I think I saw some other lines today that had Rutgers as a favorite in that game, too. I think that could flip back and forth here. Uh, Clemson had a very short stay in Greensboro, uh, losing to Miami before it could even get to that matchup with Georgia Tech. Uh, like all season long, I have no idea what to make of this Clemson team. It's like, it feels like you look at their resume and you go, yeah, I guess that seven seed was warranted with, with the kind of games that they won earlier in the season. But at the same time, this just doesn't have, it, this is not the team that has the offensive firepower that would really make you comfortable picking them. I mean, they're going to have to win maybe sort of an uglied up game a little bit. And uh, you know, sometimes in the NCAA tournament, you just sort of run into a team that has a hot day and that's it. Um, fortunately for them, Rutgers is not a very good offensive team. I mean, this could be bet the under on this this Clemson Rutgers game. This could be a, a throwback one. Maybe first one to fifty wins this. Yeah, it's it's definitely going to be a defensive battle. You know, both these teams have top twenty adjusted defensive efficiencies per Ken Palm. Um, so yeah, bet the under, bet the under, bet the under. <laughs> um, but I I do think that this is a pretty interesting game. You know, to me, it's sort of a pick 'em. I could see it going either way. You know. Um, if Amir Sims is doing what he's doing and he's sort of acting as this uh, do-everything glue guy, connector, make a couple of threes, get some boards, lead a couple of breaks, um, you know, I think Clemson absolutely has a shot. But at the same time, you know, like you mentioned, if Rutgers gets hot, then this is a team that does have guys who can beat you, you know. Um, Nicole Arbach just had a great feature the other day on Geo Baker. You look at Ron Harper, um, Jacob Young. I mean, they, they do have guys that are capable of burning you. I, I don't know that Clemson has the offensive ability to go far in this tournament, but I do think that defensively um, there's enough here from Brad Brownell's team that they can grit out a tournament win. And again, as you mentioned, um, they, they weren't exactly expending a ton of energy in Greensboro, so they should be a little bit more well-rested come next week. On the motivation side, Rutgers, this is their first NCAA tournament parent since 1991. Wow. They were going to make it last year. Uh, I, I believe, and then didn't have the opportunity. So nice to see them turn around and get this. Haven't won an NCAA tournament game since 1983. Uh, you know, that was after I was born, but I'm pretty old now. So that's going back a long time. Uh, so maybe from a motivation standpoint, Rutgers comes out and is, is all about this. I, I think all the Big Ten teams just stayed in Indianapolis, too. That Could that be an advantage in this, that they didn't travel back and forth and, you know, they're already there? I do. Th I do think there's something to be said for that, Andy. It's uh, and also, you know, 1991, the last time. So I have not known a Rutgers team since I've been alive to make the NCAA tournament. Oh, you make um, me feel bad. Right now. That's a humble brag right there. Just, just, just getting a little elbow in. Um, no, I think that it is an advantage there. And, you know, after the situations that happened this week with Duke and Virginia and with Kansas, you know, we heard these stories about other teams that were getting to Indy as quickly as possible. Um, and some of them, even at their conference tournaments, 
they were going 30, 40 miles outside of the cities that they were playing in just to make sure that they weren't potentially risking infection by being around other people in hotels. Um, I don't know what the situation was at other conference tournaments, but I can tell you from being in Greensboro first person, hotel staff, masks, optional. Guests in the hotel, masks, optional. Fans at games, in the stands, masks, optional. Um, you know, that old trick of I'm eating, let me keep my mask down. Well, you're not eating for the entire two hour long contest, but you know, it is what it is. Some I, I, people might be eating that entire time. <laughs> that's fair. Um, but no, you, you, uh, you talk about teams that are able to be in Indy that are able to minimize some of the wear and tear. They're able to get a little more comfortable with their surroundings. I do certainly think there's something to be said for that in Rutgers's case. And, um, again, you know, this is not a bad Rutgers team. There is motivation there. Uh, I, I think that there's there's motivation both ways here. I'll be really interested. This is one of the more, I think, toss-up matchups that you'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if looking at the the total accumulation of brackets that are submitted, uh, I would expect the picks to be pretty 50-50 on this one. Well, speaking of toss-up matchups, and I think this is one of the most fascinating matchups in the bracket, is the 9-8-9 game in that uh, region. 9 Georgia Tech. Uh, two-and-a-half-point underdog against Loyola Chicago. Uh, really good team. Final Four team a couple years ago. Uh, that's Sister Jean Magic. Sister Jean, 101 years old now. Like we wow. Marveled, we marveled a couple years ago when they made the Final Four. She's 101 now and, and still going strong. Uh, Georgia Tech is just a hot team right now. They've won eight straight. Uh, you know, they missed the UVA game. Uh, dodged that one. But still, you know, eight straight, making its first NCAA tournament parents. Uh, since 2010, the Ramblers are just a good team, just a plain good team. They won the Missouri Valley Conference 24 and four on the season. I realize, you know, you don't have a ton of non-conference games or marquee non-conference games to judge that against, uh, lead the nation, uh, 55.7 points per game allowed. Uh, this just seems like a, a great, interesting matchup between two teams that are playing pretty well right now. Yeah, this is just straight up going to be a great basketball game. And, uh, you know, I think for a lot of people, this is sort of going to be a test of, of how much do we trust the analytics? Because, you know, you mentioned all those stats, Andy. Loyola's the number 19 in Ken Palm's rankings. They have the number one adjusted defensive efficiency in the country, um, which seems crazy to think about, but this is a legit good team. And you mentioned the Final Four experience. Uh, Cameron Kretwig, their big man, he is, no joke, one of the best bigs in the entire country. I mean, uh, he doesn't look like it if you just look at him, but th this is a team that is legit good. Um, and on this, the other side, you know, Georgia Tech, you talk about they, they've won all these games in a row. They win the ACC tournament. They're as hot as any team in the country. Um, I don't know. I don't know who to pick. I feel I feel like uh, the committee didn't really do Georgia Tech any favors or, or give them anything. You know, there was no gimme here for winning the ACC. It was, you know, we're going to put you straight into the meat grinder. Um, I, I don't know who to pick. I mean, is there is there anything about Georgia Tech that makes you, you know, obviously they've been playing great, but how do you fall on this one? I'd be interested to hear. I don't know. <laughs> this is just a tough one to figure out. Like I was, I picked Florida State to beat uh, Georgia Tech when I was watching that game. And then Georgia Tech goes out there and, you know, they played like a bunch of swarming bees. <laughs> that's that's exactly how they played, true to their nickname. Uh, you know, it, it's a tough one to pick because I, I think I've only seen Loyola uh, play a couple times early. I think I saw him play Drake in a game where they were pretty bad in the first half and then just blew him out. Uh, in the second half. So I'm not going to sit here and pretend to be some expert on Loyola Chicago, but I, I think there is something to be said about teams that are just playing really well 
right now. Georgia Tech has stared down a bunch of uh, you know decent to pretty good teams and, and beaten them in the last couple weeks. You wonder if that carries over into the tournament. Uh, I, I think it does just kind of speak volumes about what the uh, committee thought about the ACC uh, with this seeding, and maybe it was a uh, you know also acknowledging the fact that you know Georgia Tech had an unconventional path to the ACC championship. It's not like they beat the, you know five jugger, jugger, four juggernaut teams to get to that point. Uh, but yeah, I, I think this you know overall this shows what the committee thought of the ACC, and it goes well. Your champion, whatever. We're gonna give them a nine seed. They're gonna be an underdog in this first round, and. Uh, I don't know how this one plays out. Yeah. Flip a coin and, and place your bets. Cause, but I, this will be one that I enjoy. And then you look at it and it, you know, the reward for this team, uh, whoever wins this game feeds into the one seed, uh, Illinois, most likely we're going to assume they're going to beat the 16 seed. I guess we can't assume that anymore against after UMBC a couple years ago, but man, that is a tough draw. Uh, the way that the Illini are played right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you make a great point about the way the committee viewed the ACC, and Georgia Tech really is representative of that. I mean, um, the first time, as you mentioned, first time without any any top three seeds in a while, I think Virginia probably would have had a chance to play itself onto that line um, had it not had to bow out early because of the COVID issues. But, you know, this is a league that, you know, it's it's certainly quantity over quality this year. Um, and I think that that could change. I don't think that this is, you know... A, a problem for the ACC. I don't think it's any sort of reoccurring issue that's going to continue cropping up, but certainly uh, the, the committee watched the ACC this year and, and they're not just going to reward them, you know, gimme games on the strength of the names. It's, it's all about how they actually played. And, and there's a lot still for the ACC to prove in March. All right. Last and certainly not least uh, the 11 seed in that region is Syracuse. They get number six, San Diego state. They are three point underdogs in that game. Uh, Syracuse played incredibly well down the stretch. They beat UNC Clemson, NC state. They lost to UVA on a last second three. I mean, they played them incredibly tough in that game. Uh, Buddy Bayheim certainly does not have his father's disdain of Greensboro. He averaged 29 points a game in those, in those two games down in the Coliseum there. Uh, this just feels like Syracuse could be primed for a run. Like when Syracuse makes a run, they're like, not thought of to be a, a team that could make a run like that. I think the last time they made a Final Four, they were a 10 seed or something like that. Uh, they're an 11 seed in this one. Nobody's expecting much. Uh, then again, San Diego State is a really solid team on the other side. I mean, last year they probably would have been a one or a two seed uh, going into this thing. They were 30 and two and didn't have that opportunity. Uh, what do you think of this matchup? I'm I'm fascinated. I am uh, I'm I'm not going to pick against Syracuse uh, because when Syracuse gets in the NCAA tournament, weird weird wild things happen. Um, I remember I was a student when uh, that last game happened when Syracuse made its Final Four run, and they had absolutely business though being there and did it anyways. Didn't really care what anyone else thought. Um, the Orange are playing well right now though, and and especially Buddy Beheim is playing well right now. To me, this matchup comes down to can San Diego State's defense contain Buddy Beheim because he has been the guy. He is the reason why Syracuse is in the tournament right now. Um, Alan Griffin's had a great year for them. And at times Merrick Dolezal had a great year for them. Um, but this is all on Buddy Beheim. I mean, his shot making ability has, has almost single-handedly pushed the orange in here, I would say. So to me, can a really good defensive San Diego state team contain one player? Probably um, at the same time, 
if you were trying to pick against the Orange, uh, you know, they, they have a coach who knows a thing or two, um, so long as you're above 5'2", and, and you're allowed to share your opinions with him. Uh, I think I think that this is going to be a really interesting game. I think a lot of people are going to pick San Diego State because they don't think Syracuse belonged. Um, but at the same time, you know, there are not a lot of guys that you take over Jim Beheim in, in just a strictly 40-minute straight-up coaching contest. Um, it's the same reason I think that people are going to be picking Iona to upset Alabama in the first round. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But no, I, I think that Syracuse has more of a shot. Now that they're in... It's hard to discount the orange. Buddy Behan makes shots, and, and the orange seem to do miraculous things in the tournament. Yeah, that last time they, they made the Final Four, they overcame that huge deficit against Virginia. Uh, and it was so so surprising. I remember talking to some of the Virginia beat writers that I know, and they're like, yeah, I, I was sitting there on like orbits with like waiting to press the button to book the flight to wherever the Final Four was on that. And then Syracuse comes back and wins that game. I think that was a pretty shocking turnaround, but... Uh, yeah, this is an interesting one because San Diego State is a very solid team, but but like you said, Syracuse just plays well. It seems like in the tournament, especially when uh, you know maybe kind of like Florida State, not a lot of people expect much of them. They seem to play better uh, when that's the case. Of all these ACC teams, which one do you think has the potential to make a run? Because none none of these teams are really going to be thought of to be like, oh, they're going to be a Final Four contender or something like that. They just don't have the seating. Uh, this year to really make that likely. Uh, could anybody surprise us out of the ACC? Yeah, I, I don't think that any ACC team really has like a favorable path. You know, I think they're all they're all pretty difficult. And the quote-unquote trendy picks before the bracket was announced, you think about like a UNC maybe. Um, that's a brutal first two matchups, you know, Wisconsin and Baylor. Florida State uh, potentially having a matchup with Michigan. Um, you know, Ohio is a good team that, that the Cavaliers, you know, on short notice are going to have to deal with. Um I'll be honest, the, the team that I'm sort of looking at and have my eye on and think, you know, maybe they'll go a little bit further than we were expecting, to me, it's Virginia Tech. I think that the bracket falls nicely for the Hokies, as nicely as it does for any ACC team. You know, I think that, like we said, their first-round game is winnable. Ohio State's a good team, but I think that Ohio State has also played to its maximum talent potential. You know, I think that uh, Chris Holtman has really squeezed every last bit of juice he can out of that orange. So, I'll be interested to see if any of these teams make it be. I'm, I'm not sure a single ACC team will make it beyond the Sweet 16. I don't think it'd be crazy if that didn't happen. Um, but if I'm picking one to at least get that far, I, I'm going to go unconventionally and I'm going to go with the Hokies. I will live dangerously and I will back Florida State. Yeah, you will. To make, to make a run. Uh, yes, you will. I, I just I just feel like Michigan, something about the way that team has played lately and, and obviously the injury delivers is, is a big deal as well. Uh, I mean, that's like playing with fire to pick Florida state to be consistent over a stretch like that. But I, I think there's a possibility there uh, that they could do that and, and certainly have a, a comfortable enough seed that it, it, you'd be a little bit more comfortable picking them in that situation. I'm curious, let's step back from the ACC and just kind of look at the, the bracket uh, at large here. Uh, who do you like as your final four? Let's just go through the, the regions real quick. And uh, I'm curious your expert basketball opinion, uh, who is going to win these things. Let's start in the West region where Gonzaga is the one seed and I was the two. Gonzaga is the one for a reason. Uh, and and this, this bracket fell about as favorably as it could for Gonzaga. Um, you know, Iowa being a team that is very good, but Gonzaga obviously knows well. Uh, I, I don't see... 
any reason why Gonzaga shouldn't make it out of this region. I think if they didn't, it would be a tremendous, tremendous upset. You're talking about the three seed in Kansas that's dealing with its own COVID issues. Um, Virginia dealing with COVID issues. I mean, this this fell about as nicely as it could for Gonzaga. I certainly have Mark View's team coming out of the West. I think one of the most impressive things about the last 25 years is that we all know how to pronounce Gonzaga now. <laughs> like that's a testament. That's a testament to Mark Few in that program that for the longest time they were Gonzaga. And now everybody's like, no, no, it's Gonzaga. And everybody just kind of knows that now. So I'm in agreement with you here. I have the Zags coming out of there. I, I watched a little bit of them in the tournament and they, they were down to BYU in that uh, championship game there. And then they just stormed back. And it just seems like they have so many offensive answers to whatever you try to do to them, uh, that point guard, freshman point guard, whose name is escaping me right Jaylen now. Jalen Suggs, he's insane. He's insane. Really he's so impressive good. and just poised. Like He's got the ball and in control. Uh, you feel very comfortable about the situation there. And I feel like in uh, you know the tournament in March and, and going to the Final Four, you need somebody like that, that when things are getting out of control, you can just kind of calm things down. Uh, I really like his uh, his ability there. Uh, moving over to the east, where Michigan is the one seed, Florida State matches the four. Uh, two seed is Alabama, three seed is Texas. Uh, who do you like out of here? Yeah, you know, I have my reservations about Michigan because of the liver's injury as well. I have my reservations about Florida State, as I think I've made abundantly clear to this point. Uh, <laughs> I I actually like Texas to come out of this region. Um, that's who I've been picking in, in the first round of brackets I've been doing. And the reason I say that is because, uh, one, I don't think that Texas's path, especially early on, is, is incredibly difficult. Um, Abilene Christian's a good team, but uh, not not to the same level of athletes that Texas has. Um, and then you go down, you know, you're potentially going to be playing the winner of, you know, to me, the way I look at the bottom of that bracket, you're probably going to be playing the winner of UConn and Alabama, most likely Alabama. Um, I saw Texas earlier this year at the Maui Invitational, and I was just so impressed with the number of different guys they had. And they've had COVID issues. They've had ups and downs themselves. Um, haven't always played their best basketball but I just think there's something about this team, and Shaka Smart seems to have a really good pulse on this group. Um, they have a lot of guards. They have a lot of good bigs. Jericho Sims um, is is not like a household name yet, but I think he will be if they make a run. He's like a tailor-made big man for this tournament. I mean, he is uh, doesn't need the ball in his hands a lot. Big energy guy, really good defensively. Um, I like Texas to come out of this region. I think that might be an upset. If it was Alabama, I wouldn't be shocked. But I'm going to go with uh, the Longhorns to make it to the Final Four. I kind of like Alabama in this region. I watched that SEC title game. And I'll be honest, LSU is an eight seed. Uh, if they get by St. Bonaventure and get Michigan around two, that could be dangerous. I, I thought That's LSU a spicy, looked, spicy matchup. Uh, yeah, really, really strong in that game against Alabama. I just like Alabama's uh, depth and ability to score from a lot of places. Uh, that could be a really interesting two-three game if it gets that far. Texas with the havoc defense that that Shaka Smart brings to that thing. But I'll go Alabama uh, out of that region. Over to the South, uh, you know, Baylor's the one seed there. Purdue the four. Uh, Illinois, or, no, I'm sorry, Ohio State, the two seed uh, at the bottom, and the three seed is Arkansas. Who do you have here? Yeah, I, I don't think that this bracket fell super well for for the non number one seeds that are high up there. You look at Ohio State, and um, you know potentially having to play the winner of Florida and Virginia Tech in the second round. I think that's a matchup that could give the Buckeyes some trouble. Um, Arkansas and Colgate to me is like as interesting a first round game as there is because I've watched one Colgate game. Over. <laughs> I, yeah, definitely. It first to a hundred wins. Uh, I have 
I watched one Colgate game start to finish specifically just out of curiosity because we've all seen what's going on with Colgate in the net. They are, you know, what, what are they up to eight or nine in the net overall? Um, it's just a fascinating thought experiment to me. Is this team actually good or not? I don't know. I didn't form a strong opinion from watching the one game that I did, but uh, I think there's a chance that either of those two teams could be, you know, difficult to combat. Purdue is good, but you know, not nothing overwhelming. I would say. So I come back to the top and I look at Baylor. You know, this is a team that's not defending at the same level it was pre-COVID pause, but um, you're getting a team that in the second round in either Wisconsin or North Carolina that has its flaws. I think that. Baylor's going to have the backcourt advantage in any games it plays until it gets to the Final Four. Uh, I'm going to go with the Bears. I mean, I think that Scott Drew can figure out the defensive part of things. And, and yeah, I like Baylor to get to the Final Four. I know I'm a little bit chalky here so far with two number one seeds, but um, there's no one else in that bracket that really screams out to me. I am going to back Ohio State in this one. Mm, spicy. Uh, I watched a lot of Big Ten tournament basketball just because it was on all the time, and it was really good basketball. There are a lot of great teams in the Big Ten. Uh, and I know Ohio State had that rough stretch there near the end of the season, but they seem to have turned things around. And uh, it seemed like in every one of those Big Ten tournament games, they had a stretch where they really struggled and either got down big or they got a big on Minnesota and then gave it back, and, and then they won that one pretty comfortably. But Purdue... Uh, you know, they gave that one back and then they showed some toughness in overtime to pull that one out. They were down big against Illinois in the championship game and came back and, and forced overtime in that. Uh, I just like uh, just sort of the toughness that, that team has and they have uh, some down low options. They've got some guards that can make big shots. Um, you're right. I, I think that could be a very intriguing round two matchup if it's Virginia Tech and, and the way Mike Young coaches. But uh, you're something about Baylor I just don't quite trust right now and i don't know if it's uh maybe i just have a blind spot for the big 12 i seem to be picking against the big 12 in each of these brackets but i, I thought the the big 10 was such a, a tough conference and maybe this will be foreshadowing my uh, championship pick here but I, I i like the buckeyes to come out of this one as well that's fair that's fair I, you know i think I, of all the regions <clears throat> i think that this one is the one where you're going to see the most differences of opinion um I think that certainly you could see Ohio State continue to capitalize on its talent. I think Purdue is is probably a better team than people realize and, and give credit to. Purdue is not a bad team. Um, Baylor, do you trust them after the COVID pause? Like I said, they're not defending at the same level. I mean, North Carolina, as we've talked about earlier, they're playing as well as they have all year. So I think there's a lot. Arkansas, Colgate. I mean, there's a lot of teams here that could come out. Um, this is probably the bracket, the, the region that I feel the least comfortable with and the least secure about. Um, so in doubt, I'm, I'm going to go back to my chalk. But I don't hate Ohio State. Yeah, I think, I think the South has two of the trendy upset picks right now. Winthrop over Villanova is one I've seen a lot out there. Uh, and I think a lot of people are, are looking at Colgate and its ability to score against Arkansas. Uh, I maybe I'd be hesitant about that. I think Arkansas is a better team than uh, it showed in, in the SEC tournament. I think that's a pretty tough out there. Uh, the last one, the Midwest region, Illinois is the one seed. Uh, Oklahoma State is the four that they could possibly be going up against in a couple rounds. Uh Let's see. Houston is the two seed and West Virginia is the three. Who do you like out of this region? Yeah, I, I love Illinois. They're one of my favorite teams. Um, I have them in almost all my brackets going to the championship game. Um, I think that what they showed in the Big Ten tournament is is all that you need to see. You know, everybody knows how good IO is. Everyone knows how good uh, Kofi is. 
Andre Curbelo is a star in the making, and we're going to be hearing that name a lot more as the Illini march through this tournament. But um, I, I just think that Illinois, not only is Illinois have all the pieces you need to win a championship, they've got dynamic guards, they've got a low post threat, they've got shooters, they've got role players. Um, but this is a team that's been knocked back a few times and, and really just does seem to be peaking. And at the same time, you know, this has nothing to do with basketball, but when your best player is wearing a superhero mask like that, um, it's pretty hard to pick against. So I, I like Illinois. I feel pretty comfortable with that. I think they got a tough second round matchup either way, if it's Loyola or Georgia tech, there are some other good teams. Oklahoma state's going to be a trendy pick out of this region. Um, you know, I, but but you know I just can't get over all of the different pieces that Brad Underwood has to play with. I, I'm not going to pick against Io. He might be the player of the year still. Yeah, I'm with you uh, with Illinois out of this. Uh, Kofi Cockburn is just this enormous presence. Enormous, <laughs> like, enormous. Like, I I look at him on the floor and I'm like, how do you even start to guard this guy? I have no idea how you would go about potentially guarding this guy. And, and maybe. You know, Big Ten teams are, are used to it a little bit. They're used to that physical style of play, but you get in a tournament setting where some of these teams don't play like that. Uh, I think that that'll be a, a wake up call for some of them to have to go up against them. So, I, yeah, I love Illinois out of this. And uh, again, maybe foreshadowing my final four pick. I, I just think that's a team that has uh, all the pieces that you would want. I agree. I agree. And, you know, one way or another, it's going to be a fascinating second round matchup too because if it's Loyola it's Cameron Cutwig if it's Georgia Tech it's Moses Wright those are two really really good bigs in their own right going up against Kofi so um yeah I'm I'm very much looking forward to that first round matchup whoever comes out of it that second round matchup but no I I um I'm gonna ride with the Illini right now I I think that they're you know whatever the betting odds are for national championship favorites I can't imagine they're lower than third on that list all right, neither of us are all too uh, risky with our final four picks. Nothing lower than a three seed. Uh, who do you have in the final four? Uh, who do you have advancing and winning it? Yeah, so in the matchup of Gonzaga and Texas, I think is really interesting. But Gonzaga, to me, is is still the best team in the country. Um, and for good reason. You know, you mentioned Jalen Suggs. But addition, in addition to having a top five freshman point guard, you're talking about the best shooter in the country, Corey Kispert. You're talking about one of the best big men in the country, Drew Timmy a complement of role players, Joel Ajayi. Um, they're just so, so deep. So many guys who can hurt you. They're so unselfish. And I think that while, yes, Texas has a lot of nice pieces as well, I don't think that any of Texas's guards are, are truly as good as Jalen Suggs is. So for that reason, I go with Gonzaga. I think that uh, Mark Few takes his team to its second national championship appearance, um, and this time with a much better shot to actually you know, take down this whole thing. I mean, we've said you could, Zach has been wire to wire, number one team so far. Um, there's nothing that makes me dissuaded from picking them to keep this thing rolling. So Gonzaga beating, who do you have beating in the Texas, championship? Te Texas. And then I have uh, in the other side, I would have Illinois beating Baylor to get into the championship. And I'd have Gonzaga as my champion. I think that this is the year. Um, I, I just, I am so, I think Illinois is a great team. I think they're the only team that can realistically give Gonzaga a problem. Um, I think that Io versus Jalen Suggs is a matchup that we all want to see. Um, but no, Gonzaga has been the number one team in the country for a reason. Their defense is awesome. Their offense is even better. Um, Mark Few deserves a national championship. This is his best team so far. Um, and, you know, in this crazy season with all the stops and starts, all the pauses, all the unknowns, um, I'm going with the one certain thing, and, and that is the Gonzaga to cut down the nets. Yeah, I've got Gonzaga beating Alabama uh, to get the championship. We've got Illinois beating Ohio State uh, in like the seventh time that they've played this year. <laughs> How many times they've done that? And I like Illinois over oh, Gonzaga. Okay. Uh, okay. 
I, I think I'm picking that those teams in the championship. Obviously, they're good, but I think it's a game I want to see. Yeah, <laughs> that's you know that usually gets me into trouble when I'm trying to make picks. It never happens. The games that I want to see taking place, but uh, yeah, that's one that I think would be just really fascinating with the weapons that the Gonzaga has and all the different ways that Illinois can beat you. I just want to see a great championship game. So right. that's what I'm going to pick, and I'm going to root for it. And and that's uh, that's how I run my brackets, and that's also why I never win my brackets. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know this this year, uh, you know I know there's that per- that quest for a perfect bracket every year. I can't imagine that anyone's going to come close to it this year. The, and and you know the number one thing that we're looking for. You know, I'm knocking on wood, crossing all my fingers and toes that we just get through this tournament without any more issues. A um, couple more days till the bracket is finalized, but it's going to be a fascinating month of March. I'm just glad that we made it, Andy. It's It's been a wild season and it's long overdue. Well, let's enjoy it this week. This will be fun. Uh, I think we all are just like longing to sit on the couch. Uh, tournament starts on Friday this year, uh, later than you. Or the first four are on Thursday. Thursday, Thursday right. Yeah. Uh, so a little bit later in the week from what we're used to, but uh, yeah, I'm going to plant myself on the couch all weekend and not really move a whole lot. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that whole thing, just watching games. Uh, Brendan, thanks for doing this again. This will be a, a fun tournament to watch. Absolutely, it will. And uh, may all of you have the best of luck filling out your brackets, but not better luck than me. All right, that's going to do it for this show. Uh, thanks, everybody, for, for joining us again to talk about this. Go rate and review us on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, go subscribe to The Athletic, too. Uh, we have so much good stuff on the site, uh, breaking down the tournaments, who you should pick, uh, and who are the hot teams, all sorts of, of great information on there. And our $1 promotion going on through the end of March Madness on any college basketball article. Uh, click, and it's only a dollar to subscribe. Only a dollar. You can find that money in your couch cushions right now. Only a dollar. Uh, go check us out on there. Go Go to theathletic.com slash pod. We have deals on there as well. Uh, follow us on Twitter. He's Brendan R. Marks. I'm at Andy Bitter VT. Uh, we might do this again next week. I'm not sure exactly what our schedule is. We'll see how many ACC teams are still alive uh, after the first weekend and perhaps uh, base our decision off of that. But if we're back next week, we'll talk to you then.